renewal of mind, his mercy new every morning. Could you imagine if that is what you know and believe and expect for when you wake up tomorrow morning? Because that's the God that we serve. A holy God, a righteous God, a God who loved you and I so much that his son Jesus came down, took on flesh to make sure you lived a life in the fullness of who you've been appointed to be and who you've been called to be as image bearers of Christ, representing him well as a witness of Jesus. To go back into your communities and declare God to be God and to do extraordinary things no matter where you land, no matter what's next, it has to be extraordinary now. It has to be. You don't come out of here and go back to ordinary lives. It has to be extraordinary. But there has to be a sense of urgency and desperation to know more, to want more, to be more for the glory of Jesus Christ. I, I stayed, in a, I stayed in, a, in, a, in a dorm room here in the tab downstairs, far right corner over there somewhere. I had this roommate who was my best friend in high school. His name is Scott Crowder. He's pastoring a great church uh, still in the Hampton Roads area in Virginia. That brother woke me up at 3 a.m. one morning. I'll never forget. Dave, you got to get up now, bro. I said, what? I looked over, saw my little alarm clock. It was 3 a.m. in the morning. I said, bro, if you don't go back to bed, I'm going to punch you dead in your chest, man. <laughs> God was still doing a work in me. <laughs> he said, no, no we got to get up now. We got to get up now. He shook the corner of my bed. He said, we got to get up now. I said, all right, whatever, 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 whatever. I thought it was like a bad dream or something. I was like, all right, whatever. Where are we going? We're going, we're going, we're going to the sanctuary. We're going to the tab right now. We're going to the tab right now. Come on, come on. He starts crying. I'm like, why are you crying? He's like, I feel the presence of God. I just feel a sense of urgency and desperation. I said, I don't feel that. He said, no. <laughs> he said, it doesn't matter. Just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. God's doing something in us, bro. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Man, that brother stood there and made sure that I got my little house slippers on, made sure that I was properly dressed, pulled my hand. We came upstairs real quick. I'll never forget it. It was pitch dark in here, Dr. Fred. It was pitch dark. He opened that door right there and sprinted right down here to the altar and laid out prostrate. I was trailing behind, still drowsy, still trying to figure out what in the world is going on. There isn't enough spirituality in me to be able to grasp this right now. Yes, I'm a PK, but you know how us PKs are. Come on, somebody. You know, it takes a little while for us to get it. And I walked up slowly. And I was waiting for some deep revelation. But it was simply this that he was crying out for. Give me more. I want more of you. Give me a desperation for you, oh God. Give me a sense of urgency that I might know that I belong to you and you belong to me. I want more. I want more. And he did that for a whole hour. He did that until I found myself on my knees right beside Scott Crowder crying out for more. And you know what God did? He gave us more. 
He gave us more. You want to know why? Because he said to his disciples in Luke chapter 11, if, if you ask, you shall receive. If you seek me, you shall find me. If you knock, the door will be open to you. But you have to be a generation that keeps on knocking. Keep knocking. And it might hurt sometimes. Your spiritual knuckles might get tired, but keep knocking on the door of heaven. Keep knocking on the door of heaven and ask God for a greater understanding of his will. Ask God for a greater understanding of his heart. Ask God for his holiness. May there be a pursuit of holiness in this generation. We get the grace part. We ask for it every day. But you cannot separate the call unto grace from the call of pursuit to holiness. Mark chapter 14 is where I'm going to read. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your spirit and your presence. Ah, thank you, Lord God, for a remnant that you're raising up unto yourself here at Elam. A remnant of sons and daughters who will know your voice and they will respond in obedience, committed to do your will. So God, give them a heart of desperation. Give them a sense of urgency tonight. May they lean in close to your word. Watch and pray. Oh God, I just thank you in advance for the world changers that you're raising up who are going to create a kingdom ripple effect across the globe. I believe for it. The staff here at Elam, we're believing for it. A desperate generation to know your voice, to know your will, and to submit to your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Mark chapter 14, verse 32. You got it. Say amen. Man, I'm crying already. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Everybody say greatly distressed and troubled. And in verse 34, and Jesus said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed. He prayed this. If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came, and he found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, he said just to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away, and he prayed, saying the same words a second time. 
Same prayer. Nothing big, nothing fancy, but honest. And again he came and he found them sleeping for their eyes were really heavy. And they didn't know what to answer him. Verse 41, you still with me? Say amen. And he came a third time and he said to them, you still sleeping and taking your rest? Well, stop already. No, sorry. That's my New York City translation. It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. It's an incredible moment in Scripture. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, the wine is pressed in this particular area. But for us, this Gethsemane, this park, represents a place where Jesus would go with his disciples and spend a little time with them and spend time with his heavenly father. And it's, it's, it's really a moment where he, we're reminded that Jesus is calling us into a deeper relationship. When he asked Peter, James, and John to go a little further, it wasn't an act of partiality. He loved them all equally. What it really represented was his desire for you and I, even today, to come a little further with Jesus, to take another step further in the relationship, to know him as friend, to know him in an intimate way, to know that we've been invited to be in communion with Jesus always and at all times as friend, as savior, as king of our lives, knowing who we are made in the image of Christ the risen savior. And, and, and in that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was actually the third time that Jesus asked Peter, James, and John to go a little further with him. It's the third time. Remember the first time that he asked Peter, James, and John to go a little further with them was when Jairus' daughter had died. And, and, and remember, when he, he gets to Jairus' house, the daughter was laying there, and she had passed on. And remember, there were professional mourners there. I mean, they were getting it in with their instruments, and, and the, these, these people were, like, paid to, like, kind of cry and, and grieve. And, and then remember, Jesus was like, ah, she's not dead. Uh, she's just sleeping. And then remember, the professional mourners and some of the family members all started laughing. And then Jesus was like, yeah, okay, laugh all you want, but get out of here. Everyone out. Everyone out except for mama, daddy, Peter, James, John, come inside. Close the door behind you. I want you to see this. And it was this incredible moment where they witnessed the power of Jesus Christ to raise the dead. It was an incredible moment in this closed room to experience who he was as God. Who he was in all of his glory and power to dictate who dies and who lives. Resurrection life. I mean, it was like a VIP room for Peter, James, and John. It was like green room treatment. I mean, could you imagine being in that room? Could you imagine coming out of that room like, wow, we just had VIP treatment. This is amazing. We just saw his power to heal. And that was the first time that they were able to have this kind of close-up experience with, with Jesus and, and in all of his glory and power. And then the second time, they had another opportunity. It was the second time for them to experience this, 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 this moment in close proximity to Jesus. It was the Mount of Transfiguration. 
And they get called up, and, and there's, there's Moses and Elijah walking around having conversation with Jesus. Could you imagine that? And Peter and James and John, they're up there at the Mount of Transfiguration. It's, it's a mind-blowing moment. Peter's feeling so good about the moment that he feels like at that, partic- at that time, maybe I should suggest something to Jesus. It's interesting how sometimes we can find ourselves thinking that we should suggest the plan for God rather than just shut up and bear witness of his glory. It gets quiet now. It wasn't quiet with Peter, though. Peter, I, 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 I imagine Peter interrupting the conversation like, hey, hey, excuse me. Yeah, it's me, Peter. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, bona fide leader. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking this is real good, Jesus. I'm, I'm thinking what I'm seeing right now with Moses and Elijah. And, and uh, yeah, y'all having a nice conversation. Don't mean to interrupt. But what I'm thinking is I, I need to just express to you all my gifts and talents. I'm going to build three tents. I think, I think we need to stay right here on top of the mountain because this is good stuff right here. This is good. We just stay on the hill. We don't need to go down. We just stay here on the hill. And, and the Bible says that while Peter was still rambling with his monologue and his, his, uh, his, his little vision to just kind of park on the mountaintop, God speaks and just interrupts our voice, which he needs to do sometimes. Because sometimes we're talking out of the flesh, talking out of our emotions. Sometimes we feel like we need to help God out and planning our future. And God in that moment says, whoa, hold on. This is my son who I love and I'm pleased with. Hey, Peter, listen to him. Because I've not called you to just sit up on top of the hill and soak in all of this goodness with your notes and the word. Somebody's got to get down to the valley and handle the ugly stuff and bear witness of Jesus Christ. We can't just park ourselves sitting on top of a mountain, comfy, cozy, and expect that people are going to get saved because they hear our praise and our worship here on the hill. Somebody's going to have to get down into the trenches. Some of you are going to have to go back home and get back into the weeds and handle some stuff for the glory of Jesus Christ and bear witness of who he is and walk in the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, yeah, that first time VIP treatment in the closed room, in the green room, seeing the healing of God. Wow, all of a sudden we're on the mountaintop and we, man, we get, we get a picture of who he is as God, his deity, his holiness, his sovereignty, his glory was revealed on top of the mountain. Man, that, that's just amazing. And then there's a third time where Jesus decides to call some students from Elam a little closer to come a little further. You've seen the healing. You've seen his power. Power over life and death. You've seen his glory. You've seen who he is as an eternal God. Time is in his hands. He's talking to Moses and Elijah. Then he says, come a little further, Peter, James, and John. Because this time, I want you to see my humanity. I want you to see the God who suffers for you. The third time's not as attractive as the first two times. It's not as exciting. 
I mean, Jesus didn't even lead out the way we're used to hearing him speak. Not, not, not especially after what I just experienced in the VIP room with, with Jairus' daughter. And then on the, on, on the conversation I just heard on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now you, you call us. And I can imagine initially like, oh, man, the, the, three times a time. Man, this is going to be good. This is going to be really good. Oh, man. And he says to them, hey, um. I'm troubled. I'm in distress. My soul is very sorrowful. Even to the point where I feel like I'm about to die. What? That's not the Jesus that, that I know. Even more so, that's, that's not the Jesus that I want to know. And that, the Jesus that is suffering, the Jesus that is vulnerable, the Jesus that gives me a glimpse of his human side, but he gives us this beautiful picture so that you and I can understand the fullness of his mission for you and I to experience resurrection life. Don't sleep on this. And what's the first thing he says to them? After he expresses how he feels, he gives us an incredible example of what it looks like in community with fellow brothers and sisters to be transparent, to be vulnerable, to be open, to be exposed, to know that in relationship that we've been given here on this campus, you as brothers and sisters walking together, it should be a safe place for you to be able to express to one another, hey, I'm going through some things, will you pray for me? This is not a competition as to who will be the most spiritual by the end of this semester. This is supposed to be a safe place where at any given moment when we wake up in the morning and you've got people around you and there's a community all pursuing Jesus and the righteousness and his grace. If you don't feel it, tell somebody you don't feel it. Tell somebody you don't feel it the same way Jesus told somebody he wasn't feeling the moment right, right at that time. If he can do it, I can do it. I said it to Dr. Fred, how's it going? I said to him, my wife and I, Tyra and I, we're just asking God, please help us keep up with what you're doing with this church that you're building. It's an honest prayer. It was an honest statement to him because it overwhelms me sometimes. It ain't easy planting a church in New York City. Not in these, not in these times that we're living in. The responsibility scares me. I sometimes get overwhelmed. Come Monday, sometimes I can't even get off the couch. And I'll find myself after dumping out and pouring out on a Sunday, I'm laying on the couch going, God, I, where are you? And even in that moment when I'm just waiting for God to speak, I know enough at this point to lean in close to his word and even if I can't like open it up and read it man I, I play the audio bible on, on my app and I'll have that thing on repeat I, it's just going 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 sometimes you have to put a halt to your worship playlist and get into the word because God's word has more power than the worship songs that you're listening to hey I don't want to offend nobody here but you have to understand me the worship is only as strong as the word that you're receiving and as you understand the word the worship songs come alive the Richard Grout taught Dick Grout taught me that thank you sir very much 
in my worship and cultural expression class. It begins with the word. And this is why he said, watch. This is why he said, watch. Watch, watch how I cry out to my father in heaven. Watch, watch my body language. Watch my posture laid out in humility to my heavenly father. Watch. He didn't say watch and pray the first time. We just read it. He first said, just, no, just, just watch. Watch me in a place of vulnerability. Watch me in a place of desperation. Watch me in a place where I cry out because I'm not quite sure in the flesh how I'm going to be able to get through this. Watch, watch, and listen Listen to the words that I'm about to declare to my heavenly father. Abba, father. Abba, father. And you know this now. He's not just some higher being way up there that's out of reach. No, he is your heavenly father. Regardless of whatever relationship you have with your earthly father here, presently or past. Listen, we're talking about a heavenly father that loves you so much that he gave Jesus To be a sacrifice for us so that you and I could gather here today and know our worth. He says, watch. Have a father. He just says it. He says it. He says this. If if it's possible, take this cup away from me. This cup of death. This cup of suffering. This cup of pain. Wow. Wow. Jesus gives us this beautiful picture of what it looks like to trust the Heavenly Father with your weakest moment. Are you willing to trust your Heavenly Father with your greatest weakness in the moment of vulnerability? Sometimes we draw back in shame and in guilt of feeling like I'm going to suddenly be exposed if I express to people some of the things that are going on in my mind right now. And Jesus is saying to us in Gethsemane, actually, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You come just as you are. You get before the Lord at the altar and you cry out unto him. It's a safe place. His only response is mercy and grace and love. That's why Jesus said, Take this cup away. In that moment, he's 100% flesh, 100% man, but 100% God. And I believe the the 100% God rose up inside of him. And he comes to this beautiful place in this very short little prayer. And he says, but yet, not my will, your will be done. It's his obedience to the mission that his heavenly father gave him. Why? Why? Because our lives are to be lived out fully for the glory of Jesus Christ. It's for his glory. He comes back. All three of them homies were sleeping. Knocked out. He comes back. He looks at them. He calls out Peter. Hey, Peter. Wake up, bro. You couldn't even stay awake for one hour? One hour. 
Peter, one hour. You can text people for two, three, and four hours in a day, but you couldn't watch for one hour. You find yourself text messaging people all day long, but you couldn't stay in the text for one hour. The text. This text will never break your heart. This text doesn't love you one day and then decide we're just going to be friends the next day. This text, this text doesn't give you mixed messages. This text remains the same at all times. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is really good text messages. I love you. I've got a plan for your life. I care about you. Oh, you done gone and messed up, but I didn't mess up. I'm still with you. You can't escape my grace. You can't escape my love. And yet still, two and three and four hours, still trying to figure out which is your best side for your selfie. I done lost my earpiece. I'm so excited. Sorry, Gabriel. And you're back and forth trying to figure out what's your best side. You spent now an hour on that selfie. First 30 minutes was which side and which filter. The next 30 minutes is you trying to figure out the caption. (laughs) Beautiful day on the hill. (laughs) I'm leaning in close. You ain't leaning in close. You're leaning into the gram. And then when you post it, God forbid you don't get enough likes within the first 30 minutes. Can I go there, Dr. Fred? You waiting for the person who you think the Lord told you you were going to marry to like it, and he hasn't liked it. I mean, she hasn't liked it. I mean, and, and now, now 30 minutes later, wait, that's 60 minutes first just trying to get it up. Now 30 minutes you've been waiting for enough likes, and by the time you don't get enough likes in the first 30 minutes, you delete the post and start all over again. And here is Jesus. Could you not just watch Me, for one hour, so that you would know that you've been made in the image of God. And there's not enough filters in the world that can change who you are made in his image. And if you lean in close and watch and stay in the word, you will be fully affirmed and you will never be concerned about another like again. Because the spirit is willing, oh, the spirit is willing to do a work in you. Oh, the beauty of the gift of the Holy Spirit that stirs in our hearts, that draws us unto his word. Oh, the gift of the Holy Spirit that is able to anoint you and appoint you. The Holy Spirit that provides a divine revelation of God's will for your life. Oh, the beauty of the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, give us more of you because this flesh is so weak. That's what Jesus said. Then he goes away and he prays the same prayer. He comes back a 
second time. Scripture says that their eyes were so heavy. This is a generation whose eyes are heavy. Heavy. I'm walking with your generation in my house. I've got a 21-year-old, an 18-year-old, and a 13-year-old. I've got skin in the game. Those are my babies. That's Gen Z. Many of you in here represent Generation Z. A generation that society has said has the highest level of anxiety. Out of all four primary generations, boomers, Gen X, millennials, they say Gen Z has the highest level of anxiety out of all four. Oh, and then forget it. They've already just ruled out what is it, uh, 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 the alphas. They just keep coming up with more things. They thought y'all were going to be the last, so they came up with alpha. Listen, don't allow, man, I'm bugging out here. Don't, don't allow society's statistics to determine your future. Don't allow society's statistics to determine your future. For many in mainstream and across the world, they have ruled out Gen Z as being a generation who has the potential to be influential. I've seen it all over the world. It's been an honor to travel. It's been an honor to speak to your generation globally. You're not much different. Different accents all over the place. But it's a generation right now struggling with their identity, struggling with who they are, made in God's image. Why? Because we're living in a time where this world has given you more options to be what you want to be outside of who God made you to be. My generation didn't have that many options because the boomers told us, you are a man and you are a woman. And they said to us, you're going to do whatever I tell you to do or you're going to get this whooping. (laughs) And society has said that my generation as Gen X me at 48 years old, society, not, not even Christian mainstream market, global world society has said that Gen X is the last dying breed of those who are still willing to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, open the door for seniors and help somebody across the street. They say that your generation would be like, why? I don't know who they are. And I've got my own things to deal with in life. They've labeled you as selfish, self-absorbed, arrogant, prideful. I don't believe it. Not here on the hill. I believe that God is raising up a remnant that's going to rise up and know who they are made in the image of God. I believe that this is going to be a generation that's wide awake. I'm believing that this is a generation that is not going to sleep on the hour of salvation. Jesus comes back a third time and they're still sleeping. 
And the third time is really just this amazing moment of his grace. Because if I was Jesus on the third time, I'd be like, wow, deuces, I'm out of here. Y'all can stay sleeping. You ain't even going to go with me when they arrest me anyway. Because I'm God. I'm omniscient. I'm all-knowing. I'm powerful. I'm the beginning and the end. And I know every last one of you are going to run. So get out of here already. Leave. I'm going to the cross. But no, he didn't. He didn't do that. Matter of fact, go back and look. He comes back to his sleeping disciples and says, rise up. Let's go together. Rise up. Let's go together. He knows because he's God that they're all going to run that night. And yet he's still calling us unto himself. Because of his love and his grace and his mercy. He so desires that you would step into your purpose. And so he comes to those, a generation that's sleeping. He says, rise up. Come with me. Come with me. Come with me. Come with me. I'm going to finish my mission. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to defeat sin, death, and the grave, and you're going to rise up with me with resurrection life. Oh, all three times he cried out to his father, oh, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And I love Luke's gospel, and I'm coming to a close. And if my dear sister wants to get on the keys and just give me a few pads, that might be really nice right now, even though that does not determine what I'm about to tell you. Don't be nervous. Thank you for leading us in worship today. It was amazing. Listen, go back and look in Luke's gospel. In Luke's gospel, we get this beautiful moment in scripture where Jesus was in such great agony that he began to sweat great drops of blood. Scientists and doctors have said that in the natural, in that moment, his distress and his pain and his agony was so extreme that from a physical standpoint, he could have had a brain aneurysm because the blood vessels had popped. That's why they were great drops of blood that were coming through his sweat glands. It is very well likely that in that moment, he was going to have a brain aneurysm in the natural. But in Luke's gospel, the Father in heaven sends an angel down to come in and comfort Jesus the Savior. Do you want to know why the angels showed up in the garden of Gethsemane while you and I were asleep to comfort him? Even though that could have been us to be right there with them, but we weren't ready. So an angel swoops down and comes and begins to comfort Jesus the Savior. You want to know why? Because our heavenly father was not going to allow Jesus to die in the garden of Gethsemane. That wasn't the plan. He had to get to the cross so that you and I could experience resurrection life. You see, it wasn't just the Father's love for His Son Jesus to come in and comfort Him. That moment was the Father's love for you and I. No, 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 son. You can't die here. We've got to finish the plan. Come on, get up. We've got to finish the plan because I love them so much. We've got, you're not going to die here. 
I love you, son, but I got to get you to the cross so that some young students here on the hill would come to a place where they understand their worth and their value and their purpose and their destiny to declare the glory of Jesus Christ. I, 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 got, I got students that 2,000 years later, they're, they're going to be raised up for my glory and they're going to have a global kingdom effect all across the world. And they don't understand it yet. But son, come on, come on. It's, yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, my will be done. Come on, because I've got a generation that I'm raising up. The generation that's going to push against what this world has said about them. And they are going to declare who they are as sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Don't sleep on this. Lean in close. He's calling you a little further. Lean in close. Watch and pray. Don't sleep on this. Would you stand up with me? Come on. We got five minutes. Let's go a little further. Let's go a little further. Let our moment now, here at the altar, represent our Gethsemane moment. It's our Gethsemane moment where you come forward, you just get down on your knees and say, God, I'm going I'm to lean in closer. I'm leaning closer. I'm going I'm to watch. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to fall asleep. Don't, don't, don't fall asleep on the purpose of God. Don't fall asleep on his will. Don't fall asleep on this gospel. Don't fall asleep. And I'm going to invite you. Listen, I know it's something we put into practice all the time, right? Altar calls, come forward. But if you don't feel it, don't do it. But if you faith it right now, come forward. Make this your Gethsemane moment. It's not a feeling. It's a faith move. It's a faith move. And as you're up here and you find your space, this is your time now just to pray, just to have this beautiful moment where, where we put into practice what Jesus did, transparency, vulnerability, and, and let, let your heavenly father know how you feel in this moment. Let him know your fears. Let him know your doubt. Let him, let him know. Express it to him. Express your insecurity. And then watch him just shower you with his grace, his mercy, and his love. Heavenly Father, we say yes to your will this evening. Lord, I thank you that mercy triumphs over judgment. And so here, here now in your presence, would you just, would you cover your sons and daughters once again with just your love and, and your grace? Lord, even as we, we sang this evening, we, we sang about the oil. Lord, I pray that there would be an oil now, an anointing oil that would wash over your sons and daughters as you, as you call them to rise up for your purpose. Lord, I pray right now that you would remove by your mighty hand of grace and righteousness, remove shame. Remove shame. Now, oh God. May this be a generation that 
with boldness will lift up their head. They will know who their heavenly father is. They will know without a doubt that they've been called for such a time as this. This will not be a generation that falls asleep on the hour of salvation. In Jesus' name.